and I know I'm supposed to be in Mark right now. I understand that. I didn't forget where I was preaching from on Sunday mornings. Uh, and I was trying to work on it this week, uh, the latter part of this week, but I just did not have peace about preaching for Mark this morning. Uh, instead, uh, the Lord led me this portion of Scripture and uh, just a reality about how to win a soul. Uh, this week was very poignant for me for that. And, uh, you know, the Lord does things in life on purpose. Amen? He brings you through things on purpose. And I, I felt it would not be wise for me not to encourage you in this way after what the Lord did in my life this week and other lives. And uh, I want to be a help and encouragement as you travel your Christian life and as you try to endeavor to reach loved ones, friends, and strangers as you walk through this life. I'll read Matthew 19.25 first, and then we'll get over to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Matthew 19.25 says, When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. And you hath quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... I think sometimes we forget how rich in mercy He really is. For this great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And have raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this time to be with your people. And Lord, help us. We're no doubt we're busy. We have things on our mind, agendas of tomorrow maybe are creeping in. Lord, I pray that we would pause from thinking of tomorrow And we pause and think of you right now. And Lord, allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts, to encourage us, to exhort us. Whatever needs to be applied to our hearts today, pray, Lord, that it will. Lord, help us to be wise, trying to reach others for you. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Last Sunday afternoon when I got on the plane, I had no idea how this week would unfold. And really, that's a reality for all of us, isn't it? We make our plans, and I think it is wise for us to make plans, but our plans can be quickly upended, can't they? It doesn't take much. And I knew what I was heading into last Sunday morning. I preached, and my family dropped me off at the airport, and I have to be really honest, I wasn't really excited, because I didn't know how it was going to end. I mean, I was excited to share the gospel, amen? But I didn't know how it was going to be received. There was a degree of 
trepidation. I wasn't, I wasn't sure. I mean, the reason I was going to, to my uncle was to tell him the good news one more time. And I didn't want to be alone either. I was not delivering him a message of good morals and help other people. I wasn't delivering a message of make sure you do your part at church or in your denomination. I was not delivering a message that they just need to have a good religion and you'll be fine. I was not telling my uncle that all paths lead to heaven. I was going to tell my uncle the message that I'm going to deliver to you this morning as well, but I was going to tell him about the good news of Jesus Christ. We live in a country that certainly is post-Christian. We can go to numerous churches, or we could go to numerous places where people are assembling today, and they call themselves a church, and we will hear all the things I just said and probably other things about how to get to heaven. And the good news is not shared. I want to show you and tell you from Scripture what the good news is. I love the Word of God. Amen. I need to be loving it more and you need to be loving it more too. We need to be in it. You you might not like what it says. To be honest, there's times when I read God's Word quite frequently where I'm convicted and I understand that I need to change. I understand that when you're feeling convicted, the Word of God doesn't change. You're supposed to change. All right, there's, there's lots of folks out there too trying to change the Bible, make it fit into their lifestyle. No, you need to conform to what God says, what God has for you. But the Word of God says the greatest need in your life is Jesus Christ. That's what the Word of God says. You need Jesus. The Bible tells us about Christ and His plan for all humanity. Jesus loves each and every one of us here. And He wants to have a relationship with everybody. This book, the Word of God, the Bible, tells us all about the plan of redemption. I'm so glad that I could tell my uncle the same message. You know, we need to realize that we're lost. Romans 3.23, for all sin and come short of the glory of God. Uh, my uncle understood that. He knew he was a sinner. And being a sinner, and because of sin, there was a penalty. The soul that sins, it shall die. And sin, when bring it for, uh, when it's finished, bring it forth death, James 1.15. Uh, the reality is we must realize we're lost before we can accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We must realize we're lost before we can be found. Does that make sense? I mean, uh, how many men have driven around and around saying to their wife, I am not lost. You know, I'm driving around. I've, I've driven past that same building four times, but I'm not lost. I know exactly where that building is. <laughs> or whatever the case, we need to understand that we're lost. We're lost. Without Christ, we are hopelessly lost in our sins. Ephesians, I just read that portion of Scripture, tells us that we can't save ourselves. There's no ability that we have that can save ourselves. Only Jesus is our hope. Only Him. Only Him. You can't make it there on your own. If you could, people would have done it already. But the Word of God clearly tells us it's not possible. It's not possible. Realize your loss. That's what I told my uncle. Recognize that Jesus paid the debt. I'm so 
glad that, you know, Jesus did that. But the reality is, He did that so we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for our sins. For the wages of sin is death. No man lives forever. And that word death means more than a physical death. It refers to a spiritual death, being eternally separated from the Lord Jesus Christ in a place called hell. Now, folks, you know, everyone talks about heaven, right? If heaven is real, and I believe it is with all my heart, the Word of God tells me, the Bible's true, heaven is real, there is a hell. The Bible says it. There is. You, know, you, you just can't have heaven all by itself with this warm and fuzzy place. No, if there's a heaven and there is, then there is a hell. So the wages of that penalty ever seen is death. And I'm so glad it doesn't stop there. Like I just said, Jesus paid the debt. He paid the penalty. That's the good news. But God commanded His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The perfect Son of God who lived a perfect life died on the cross, shed His blood as a payment for all. You just think about that amazing love and grace of God. The innocent died. The only innocent died for the guilty. For all the guilty. Believe on Christ Jesus and receive salvation. Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift cannot be paid for or purchased because someone already bought it, right? Uh, thank you for the birthday gift. I don't have to buy that, right? If it, if I do, it's not really a gift. <laughs> I, I appreciate the gift. You, you, whatever it is, you gave it to me. I don't have to, I don't have to go see Pastor Matt after the service and pay for it. It's a gift. Hey, Christmas morning, when my kids come down and there's gifts for them, I'm not standing there and say, okay, that gift is ten bucks, Nathaniel. Give me the money. He'd be like, yeah, forget it. I'm not having none of this today. I'm going to talk to Nanny. She'll turn this around. Alright? No, that, that's not how it works. A gift is something that's given. And there's no strings attached. You just take it. Eternal life cannot be bought by being a good moral person, by being baptized, or even going to church. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. So the reality is, that verse right there refutes any kind of claims that you might hear people say, well, there's all kinds of paths to heaven. There's only one. And it's Jesus. It's only Jesus. And that verse perfectly declares it for us. When you believe on the Lord, you're, you're turning away from what you believed in before, folks. Uh, so his repentance is involved all at the one time. It's a turning from. You know, one day you were, maybe you were involved in, uh, maybe you were an atheist. I don't know if there's anyone here that was, but, you know, one day you were traveling down the road of atheism. You were opposed to God. You were, you're doing your own thing. And someone witnessed to you. Someone declared the Word of God to you. And you're like, I believe in Jesus now. I repent. I turn from and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I've actually, you know, I've actually had people tell me that uh, I don't preach this phrase. 
Can you believe that? People tell me I don't care. I don't preach it right. And uh, one, about repentance, and one individual approached me and, and told me that I wasn't preaching it right, and I appreciate them coming and telling me that. And I said, well, it is, and I'm not going to stop preaching it. Because there is repentance, amen? There is no way. The idea that if I can still, if I'm an atheist, I believe in the Lord, but I don't turn from my atheism, I'm not repent. I have not given my heart to Jesus Christ. It's just not possible. You need to repent. You need to turn from it and you're with the Lord. And I'm not, repentance does not mean, I'm not saying that you have to name off every sin you've done your, your life before that point. That's impossible. That's not what the Word of God's saying. It's the idea you repent, you put your place and trust in Jesus Christ. No longer is it this, now it's Jesus. And you're following Him. Yes, you'll make mistakes. Yes, you'll get things wrong. Yes, 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 yes. But you're on the right path. Amen? The Lord will help you. He'll guide you as long as you follow Him and you know keep with Him. He'll help you grow each and every day. I'm no longer trusting my good works. I'm no longer trusting my religious system. I'm no longer trusting myself. Now I'm trusting in Jesus. Folks, it's Jesus plus nothing. Okay, it's not Jesus and my good works. It's not Jesus and my church membership. It's not Jesus and being a good religious person. No, it's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. That's what it is. Now I'm trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does not matter your social position. Your background does not affect. Your education or maybe the lack thereof. Doesn't matter if you're boy or girl, man or woman. Your nationality does not play into this. Your, your what language you spoke or speak does not matter. Does not matter if you come from a horrible home. One that would give most people nightmares how bad it was. Or if you came from a home where everything is the way it should be. Every, it's the dream home. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're an upright citizen or the hardened criminal. It doesn't matter if you're broken or you're sorrowing or you're beaten down or you're a single parent or you're a divorcee or you're orphaned or you're rich or you're poor. Folks, it does not matter to him whosoever means you. That's who it means. Means you. It means you. Come to him. He will not turn you away. That's a really amazing how great God is. He will not turn you away. He expects, He wants you to come to Him. Sometimes we forget how great our God is. That all, if today, by some miraculous, you know, the Word of God is preached through all the world, everyone hears it, everyone got saved, there's still room in heaven. I believe that with all my heart. Everyone can come to Jesus Christ. Everyone. The gospel message, if you will accept it, will change your life. Amen. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it will change your life. It will change your life here and it will change your eternal destiny. I don't believe for a moment that God has predestined certain people to hell and some to heaven. I'm going to state that from the pulpit right now. I ain't going to change from it. The message is for everyone. Now, we all have a free will. We determine if we'll accept it or not. But we need to be faithful in getting the message out. Amen? 
and encouraging people to make that choice, to make, encouraging people and children to, to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, as we try to reach people for Christ, I think there's some things we need to remember. And, the, and all this, I mean, I'll be honest, all this message today was born from this week. I mean, every part of it, just as I thought about it, as I lived it this week, and, and just thought about how the Lord is so merciful, He's so gracious, His salvation is so free. It was it's just all born from that. And uh, some things we need to remember as we witness, as we try to win a soul, how as we're trying to reach people. And before I dive into that, let, let me just say this. As a pastor, I don't have the... The magic key for people to get saved. Okay, calling the pastor doesn't mean that the person is going to get saved. Now, I'm glad to talk to anyone about Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong, but don't think I'm the magi of salvation or something. And you know, he'll just get pastoral and they'll get saved. No, it's not any easier for me than it is for you to witness to people. Now, some people give me a little bit of more respect maybe. They respect the position of the pastor. But it's just as difficult for me to reach someone as for you. And we still need to be faithful in presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I was never my uncle's pastor. I was always Mark to him. I mean, as a little guy, I was probably Marky. That was a name that was floating around when I was a kid. You know, and I'll be really honest, the reason I went is so he'd know Jesus Christ as his Savior. I didn't know when I left last Sunday afternoon if he would. No, I was thinking about the whole presentation of the gospel and sowing the seed. You know, and I got four thoughts here and a couple other things, but, you know, it really involves time, folks. The win of soul involves time. Redeem the time for the days are evil, Ephesians 5.16. Colossians 4.5 says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. That verse is referring to the loss as well, walking wisdom toward them that are without. It takes time to plant the seed of the Word of God. Now, I know there's times when we plant the seed and we see like instant fruit. Someone, maybe they've already thought about it, maybe somebody else is witness, or maybe we are really the first one, but the Lord's been working in their heart. So we give them that track and they're ready at that moment, or maybe in 10, 15 minutes, to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. It doesn't happen a lot. I mean, I could count on one hand how many times it's happened to me in 20 years of ministry. It does happen, but it's rare. Usually, we plant the seed via one-on-one conversation. Someone hears the message at church because you've invited them to come with you to church. Or maybe you've encouraged them to listen to a sermon or a podcast online that has the plan of salvation in it. So you're, you're planting a seed and it involves some time. But whatever method we use, any one of those or something else, the seed is planted and then we wait. Right? We wait. Which really shouldn't surprise us very much. I mean, when I, uh, went to my garden this you know, actually it was a couple summers ago I did it. I, I planted from just the seed. I didn't put the seed in. In 15 minutes it came out and it was out of the ground. If it was, I would be in a newspaper, I assure you. Right? It doesn't work that way. It takes time, right? It's just nature. It works that way. And so with this, it shouldn't really surprise us a whole lot when we present the gospel, but people don't accept it right away because they're not sure. 
You know, today people are bombarded with so many varying and different thoughts about spiritual matters. We have uh, immigrants in our community who probably never heard of Jesus. Or if they do, they come from lands where Christianity is seriously persecuted or banned altogether. So their exposure to Jesus and the plan of salvation is extremely limited or there is none at all. So it's a little harder for them to understand the concept of Jesus in five, ten minutes. I'm not saying you shouldn't witness for five, ten minutes. You take the opportunity, amen. Plant the seed. And we live again in a country, Canada today, a post-Christian society. Jesus and salvation is not known by everyone. I remember about ten years ago, we were having a vacation Bible school in the church in Newfoundland, in Deer Lake. And we had a couple kids come in. Uh, and we were, you know, we presented the gospel. We had some fun and games and, and food, but we presented the gospel as well. And I remember those kids staring at me like I had three heads. So maybe I thought they, I thought they maybe didn't have breakfast and they were hungry and I looked appetizing or something. I, I didn't understand at the you know, but you know, I didn't ask too many questions. Later on, I found out they never knew of Jesus. The only way they ever heard of Jesus was a cuss word. They didn't know when they said that in that manner that they were taking the Lord's name in vain. They didn't even know Jesus was Lord. And you know, I'll be honest, like Newfoundland's a little bit more traditional than a whole lot of places in Canada. You know, there's a whole lot more churches that would mention Jesus. And they didn't know nothing. So it shouldn't surprise us that when we plant the seed, it involves some time. Then it involves the next part, and that's a good testimony. If we're going to win a soul, it involves time. It involves good testimony. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. A Christian who's demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit is bearing a good testimony, right? If you're, if you're showing the fruit of the Spirit, you are having a good testimony. Your walk with the Lord is what it needs to be. Because so often the Gospel needs time to penetrate the heart uh, to those who are trying to win for Christ. We need to maintain a good testimony to those same people. You can tell a co-worker he or she needs the Lord, which is good, which is right, which is biblical. But remember now, they're watching you. They're watching you. They'll watch. They'll watch you. If you, if you work in the same place with them very long, they're going to watch in the... In the reality of cycles of life, there's there's good times, yay, and then there's bad times, boo. You know, the watch in the cycle of life is maybe something good happened in your life and you praise the Lord, and they're like, why would he talk about the Lord like that? You, know, you ever watch some people's faces when you're like, praise the Lord in public? They're like, okay, so okay, praise the Lord though, praise the Lord. Now, there's other times when things are going really hard and uh, things aren't well and they can tell on your face and they can tell because you've told them and you say something along the line, but I'm praying the Lord give me strength. Hey, you're being a good testimony, aren't you? You're showing to them that, hey, this my relationship with Jesus Christ is important. I'm leaning on Him. Your testimony is so important. 
Hey, just because you had a good day on Monday and you told them about the Lord, and then Tuesday you go in saying bad words or telling bad jokes, hey, you're affecting your testimony, folks. And we live in a day where your testimony is so important. People are watching. I know that's creepy. But it's so true. And it doesn't have to take a long period of time. Uh, you know, I know in my own life there's been times where I don't think people are watching. I'm trying to maintain a good testimony. And people come and talk to me and say, hey, we noticed there's something different about you. Hey, guess what? The good testimony has now opened the door to present the gospel once again. An opportunity to water that seed. Hey, without a testimony, without a good testimony, your outreach will not go very far and it definitely will not be very effective. Involves prayer. If you're going to win folks for Christ, if, if you're going to be seeing people get saved, it's going to involve prayer. <clears throat> Confess your faults one to another. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. This last part is a really big part of the verse. That the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man, uh, man availeth much. You know, prayer should be happening before you pass out the track. Praying for the lost should be happening before you invite that person to church. We should be praying for opportunities to tell others of the gospel. Or praying for opportunities to expand the gospel even some more to a workmate or uh, to a lost friend or whatever the case. I'm going to tell you right now, I was begging people across Canada to pray for my uncle this week. I got a hold of everybody I knew, and I asked them to pray. I know people across from Newfoundland to British Columbia were praying. I know there's people in Europe who were praying for my uncle to get saved. You can't get enough prayer, amen? You can't get enough. After we plant that seed for that person, hey, uh, sometimes that individual comes to the Lord quickly, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years, sometimes it's decades. Hey, they might get saved after you you leave this earth. You don't know. You don't know how long you have. Keep praying. I heard a story about George Mueller. You know, he had that orphanage in England. And uh, boy, he did a great work for God. He was a great man of faith. And just so many stories how God provided for him and the orphans and things. Uh, but in this realm of reaching souls, he, he had some friends he prayed for for many years. I believe it was three. And... Uh, one man got saved quickly after George got saved, and he, George was praying for him. And another guy got saved about ten years after George got saved. And uh, but the last friend, man, he wouldn't. I mean, talk about. I mean, someone that had a pretty hard heart. You, you would know that George told him about how God provided for him in the orphan so many times. I mean, just how God provided for those little people that George was taking care of, but he would not get saved even though George pled with him. He didn't get saved during George's lifetime. George Mueller passed away, but he got saved after George passed away. You don't know the effect of your witness on people. You don't know the effect of prayer on the life of others. So keep praying. Don't stop. Hey, maybe you need to uh, get along with somebody else and have a prayer partner and, and pray about this person or pray whatever it is. Eternity is a reality. Forever is a very long time. We need to keep praying. Keep praying for the lost. Involves courage. If we're witnessing 
to a person in our family you know, or in our workplace, there, be, can, there can be times when courage is needed, right? I know I need it. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I think we need the Lord's courage all the time to be the best witness that we can be. And I know family, they can mock pretty quickly and they can make light of the reality of salvation. And I really believe with all my heart, family is the toughest people to witness to. They know you. They remember all your faults. Families are great at that sometimes. Remember all the bad stuff you did. You know, especially when I bring my kids over and they talk, they tell my kids all the bad stuff. I'm like, uh, hello! No! <laughs> don't tell them! You know, that's the past. We're moving forward. I don't live there anymore. It needs courage. We need to have courage. You know, it involves sacrifice, sacrifice of our time. It's really the greatest sacrifice, really, when you think about it. We get the ten- chance to spend time with people and explain the gospel to them. I'm going to tell you right now, I wipe my calendar pretty clean, pretty quick when someone says, hey, can you talk to me about salvation? Yes, sir. Let's do it. That's the greatest conversation, folks. Amen? It's about knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Sometimes it's going to be, it might involve sacrifice of finances. I'm so glad that I went and saw my Uncle Ed. And the money it cost me to get a ticket, who cares? Who cares? It's worth every cent. It's worth every cent. How can you put the value of a soul? There's no way you can do it. It's beyond comprehension. You can put no value on it. My Uncle Ed was born in a small town on the western edge of Newfoundland area called the French Shore. I don't believe there ever has been a gospel lighthouse in that town. Grew up as a Catholic and remained a Catholic all his life, as far as I know, no difference. Uh, my mom got saved uh, after she married my dad. One other brother was saved. One of my brother, my mother's brothers, this is my mom's side of the family, I was saved around the same time as my mom. And I know my mom and my dad, along with that other brother, planted the seed of the gospel in the lives of their brothers and sisters-in-laws and brother-in-laws, and they continue to do it to this day. Now it's not sowing the seed. Now they're trying to water it, right? Trying to see it come to fruition. And I know some of my family... Uh, definitely said things of this nature to my parents. Well, that's good for you, but we're fine where we're at. And I know that some of the family thought my parents were awfully strange for doing the things that we did. I mean, my folks wouldn't let us do the things that other kids were doing. You know, and they, I know my parents got some, you know, feedback. You know, family doesn't mind telling you their opinion, right? And they told them off a couple times, but my parents kept loving them and trying to show them the way. That was in the early 80s. In 1988, a cod moratorium was pronounced in Newfoundland. You know, in Newfoundland one time, it wasn't in God we trust, it was in cod we trust. 
The fishery was king. And now it was gone. And thousands of people were thrown out of work. I mean, literally thousands. It was a very depressing time in Newfoundland. I can remember it like yesterday. It seemed like a perpetual dark cloud and it seemed like it was raining every day. It was just horrible. And the government offered to retrain many of the fisher people, fish plant workers, fishermen at trade schools. My Uncle Ed qualified for that. The trade school that he was qualified and uh, then allowed to go to was located about 20 minutes away from where we lived in St. John's. Uncle Ed came and lived with us. and During that time in our home, my mom and my dad invited Uncle Ed to church with us. Now, he didn't come all the time, but he came a nice few times. And he sat in a pew just like you are today. And he heard the Word of God preached. And he heard the message of salvation. I thought about this week, you know, I'm so glad that my God is in control. No, it didn't surprise my God that there was a cod moratorium. And it didn't surprise my God that my Uncle Ed got qualified to go to a trade school 20 minutes away from where we lived. It was all part of God's plan so my uncle would hear the gospel. Amen? My God's in control of the economy. He's in control, folks. Every step of the way is, I thought about this week, how God just put things together. My parents kept on witnessing, encouraging him to come to Christ. He always listened politely and you know, but you know, no decision made. He left it there. He was retrained and went off to work. He soon moved to British Columbia. I believe he'd been out there for almost 20 years. I hadn't seen him since before I went to Bible college. Uh, and uh, last summer was the first time I saw him in, in almost 20 years. You're aware he became ill with cancer. It spread rapidly. And then last week when I got the call, I wasn't sure he would make it till I arrived on Sunday. I got there Sunday afternoon. And if you ever have any family member, if you ever know someone who's got to sit by the bedside of a dying loved one, you'd be praying for him. It's extremely emotional. Extremely draining. I was, we got there, I got there in the afternoon and, uh, talked to Uncle Nant that were there and we, uh, worked out, uh, shifts. There was three of us. And, uh, first night I got there on Sunday night, I, I prayed a little bit with my uncle and things and I definitely got the feeling pretty quick that the other family members did not want me talking anymore about Jesus. It's like, all right, all right, you know, do my best. I didn't say that to them. I'm just thinking of my mind. I'll, I'll find a way to tell them about Jesus. Uh, so we made up a plan and I'm staying there, uh, during the day and I show up, uh, I took the morning shift. I'm a morning guy, like it, so I was there. 
So uh, when my shift came on, uh, you don't have to wonder what I was doing. I wasn't reading the newspaper. I was telling him about Jesus. I was reading him the Bible. I prayed with him, sung a little, hummed a lot. I was concerned by the time I got there, he wasn't speaking anymore. So communication was all through a squeezing of the hand or the movement of the head. You know, you can communicate without speaking, but it is difficult to know for sure what's happening. So Monday morning I got in there and I told him all about the Lord. Well, I told him he already had heard. So it wasn't like this was brand new. This, this was on his mind. He, he knew he needed. He knew he needed through the witness of a brother and sister. He heard the message. I told him, Uncle Ed, you need Jesus. And he squeezed my hand. He knew he needed. He knew he needed the Lord. I went through numerous verses. I wish I would have wrote down the ones I had used, but it doesn't matter. I did go through verses with him. I told him, the choice is yours. It's your choice. I said, prayer won't save you, but you've got to make a choice. I did pray with them, and I, after I prayed, I asked them, what, what was your choice, Uncle Ed? You chose the Lord? And he squeezed my hand. He squeezed my hand. And there was a tear in his eye. And he did try to speak, but nothing came out. He moved his lips and things. And oh, me of little faith, I just about hit the floor. I was happily shocked. And about ten minutes after that, my aunt returned. And I pretty much ran out of the hospital and I phoned my mom to let her know. I assure you there was rejoicing. You might have heard me Monday afternoon. If you heard a, a loud yelp from the West, okay? <laughs> that was me. You know what? I was talking to my mom. I didn't know this when I was before I got there, but she said, "You know, Mark, I know he was dying back in July." He said, "I would phone him and say, Ed, you need the Lord. Ed, you need the Lord. Ed, you need the Lord." Listen, folks, don't give up. Hey, it might not be you the one who leads them to Christ, but don't you stop. Don't stop. It might be a total stranger. I come to find out there was a man in his building, his apartment building, who had been witnessing him too. I never got a chance to meet him, but I found out after. And you don't know what other servants the Lord's using to reach that last loved one of yours, that co-worker of yours, that family member, that whoever it is. Wednesday morning, he, Uncle Ed entered into the presence of the king, passed away from this life, there was tears, but it was not a goodbye, as I'll see you later. Heaven is such a comforting hope, amen, and a reality for all those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm pretty sure there are people in your life today who you love, who you care for, and when they come, you know, you hear their names, your heart is stirred because you love them. 
family member, a friend, a spouse, children, whatever the case, and they're not saved. Let me encourage you this morning, because you probably get discouraged about it. Keep keeping on. Keep reaching out. Don't give them, don't give up. God's grace is truly marvelous. Truly marvelous. Keep that, investing that time. Plant the seed. Water that seed. Keep that testimony right. And that, that's a hard one, folks. Let's be honest, because sometimes we can have those bad days and we can get away from the Lord. Let the people who are you're reaching see that you're serious about serving Jesus. That this Jesus that they told me about really is their Savior. They love Him. And they'll notice. You keep praying. Get some more people praying too. Never going to have too much prayer. And maybe, maybe take a season of prayer and, and, and just pray for that lost one, whoever it is. Just pray, pray, pray. Keep being courageous. I know you'll get discouraged because I get discouraged. We're all human. You know, and our hearts are so right. We, what a, what a more, what a greater, purer uh, want in people's lives to see them get saved. I mean, of all things that we would want, that is absolutely what the Lord wants too. And that's our desire. And when we come and uh, they mock, they tear it down, and you can get discouraged. Keep courageous in the Lord. Be encouraged in Him. I'm sure glad numerous people did what I just mentioned in my own life. That what I just mentioned there, other people did for me. Try to reach me for Jesus. Hey, if you got a brother or sister here today, don't give up on them. Don't. Mom or dad or husband and wife or child, whatever, don't give up. Keep reaching. Each life represents so many opportunities for the Lord to do marvelous things above what we could ask or think. Keep preaching. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, i got some great and awesome news for you. You can. He waits for you. He will change your life. Don't say, well, that sounds interesting. I might do that next week or next month or after I get married or maybe after I have kids or maybe after this or whatever. No, you don't have a guarantee of the rest of this day. Make that decision for Christ today. Make today the day of redemption. Dear Jesus, Once again, we are so thankful for Your love. Lord, You are marvelous. And Your plan is beyond our comprehension. Lord, You desire all that would come to You. Lord, help us to be faithful and give the message.
be faithful in our testimony. Lord, help us to keep praying. And help us to have the courage, because we'll get discouraged. To keep on. Lord, I pray you bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen.